It is a special Big Apple Buckets year in review show as we close out 2019 and head into 2020. Hear clips of interviews from all our shows so far, featuring Walt Clyde Frazier, Charles Oakley, Chris Childs, Jamal Crawford, Charlie Ward, Trent Tucker, Jerry Ferrara, Larry Brown, and Jalen Rose. Hear all those guys next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, a New York Post, New York Knicks podcast. I am not your host, Kazim Famuide. He is away on vacation in Jamaica. I'm producer of the show, Jake Brown, filling in for him as he lays on a beach in Jamaica. And I am here in lovely, rainy New York City to close out 2019. Make sure you follow Kaz on Twitter at Kazim, and you can follow me at Jake Brown Radio. New episodes of the show drop every Tuesday as we're joined by Mark Berman and our team of New York Post writers as well as special guests. Hit subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Let's get this year in review show started. Hope everyone has enjoyed the first 10 episodes here of Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Kaz and I have had a lot of fun doing them, and we got some monster guests coming at you in 2020. So make sure you subscribe, rate us, review us, listen in. Kaz will be back next week as we start 2020 with a bang, and the Knicks end 2019. Winners of two straight. Their second two-game win streak stopped the presses. It's pretty amazing that we're celebrating two-game win streaks, but that's the state of the team right now, and both these have come under interim head coach Mike Miller. The team is 5-6 and six now under Mike Miller after going 4-18 and 18 under David Fisdale. They're 9-24 and 24 in the season, and yes, we're looking at it because we're only 33 games in. We still got 49 games to go. They are five and a half games back of the eight seed as they head into 2020, which begins on New Year's Day when an old friend Carmelo Anthony comes to town. The Portland Trailblazers come to the Garden and take on the Knicks in what's going to be a packed house. Tickets are through the roof, and I'm talking like $200. I should be there here repping Big Apple Buckets, but, man, good luck getting a ticket. You're going to have to really dig into that Christmas money to get it. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, You're getting a lot of the trade talk now with guys privately saying they may want to be traded. Could Dennis Smith Jr. be one of those guys? We'll find out here in the coming month or so, but it is approaching trade season with the trade deadline, you know, five, six weeks away. You'd expect the Knicks to most likely make a couple of trades, and it's going to be intriguing to see what they do in 2020. Thanks for the kudos. But what we wanted to do on this episode with you is give you clips from every interview we've done in the show so far. Let, let you know what you have missed out on if you're a little late to Big Apple Buckets. So we're going to go chronologically through the episodes and play you a clip from each one of them. Starting off on the debut episode, I mean, we came out with a bang. We were joined by the best Nick ever, the most styling, profiling man in Nick's history, the legendary Walt Clyde Frazier. Clyde gave us a prediction on the Nick season, and sadly, his worst-case scenario may not come to fruition at the pace the team is on right now. Listen in. Uh, Best-case scenario, 35 games. But in order to do that, a tenacious defense, harmony on the offense, uh, role-playing personified. We talked about their depth off the bench, so all of these guys have to step up the expectation, especially Randall. Just alluded to him. 
Uh, Robinson, what about Robinson? He's been getting a lot of kudos about his defense, his versatility. Can he stay out of foul woes? Porters, I like Porters, another big dude, 611. A little more scoring than Robinson. Uh, not as tenacious on the defense, but I think between the two of them, they could be a dynamic duo at the center position. Uh, the worst case scenario would be 29 games, which is what <laughs> most people are saying where the Knicks will be this season after winning only 17 games last season, uh, uh, worst for a franchise worst. So uh, those are the two swings that I see, the 35 games that they play a very aggressive D and, and harmony on the offense. If they do not, they could fall to around 20, 27 games, 29 games. We kept the greats coming on episode two of the show as the enforcer, Charles Oakley, joined the program. The former Knicks great looked at a dream scenario of him making a return to Madison Square Garden after he was infamously banned for a year from the arena and arrested. Tune in. I did it every day. I walk around New York City. I'm in the city a lot. I do a lot of things. But I just, I'm just, I'm just in respect of the fans who love me, had my back. You know, not because you know, I just play ball, had my back because I'm a person, a person believing morals and standards and things. You know, structural life. But for me to come back in the garden, uh, we have to wait and see. Uh, we still got some things that need to be worked out. I'm willing to always work stuff out because I'm that type of guy. But uh, I don't know. You know, the, the door is open, but, uh, you know, and some, sometimes the door is open to me, there's no mean you can come in. So I have to wait and see. Keeping the theme on popular 90s Knicks on episode three of the show, former Knicks guard and fan favorite Chris Childs dropped by. Childs took us inside that fight with Kobe Bryant. He broke down exactly what was going through his head when he ended up throwing a punch at Kobe in 2000 when the Knicks took on the Lakers. It wasn't a lot of talking until the warning came before the punch. So that was the only talk. What happened, we got cross-matched. Uh, Allen was guarding uh, Kobe for a while, and then Allen took a shot. So the point guard's job is to get back and cover for the two guards. So I ended up matched up on Kobe a couple of times going down the paint, and he was throwing elbows. And I don't have a problem with anything below the shoulders. But when they start coming above the shoulders, you can hurt somebody. I've had a fractured uh, fibula, I mean, I feel or orbital bone. Uh, I've had four concussions, so I take offense to that. We get cross-messed again, and he hit me with another elbow. So I look at the ref, and I remember like it was yesterday. It was Monty McCutcheon. We were, in, we were together in the CBA. He was ref, and I was playing. So I'm like, look, Monty, you go you know, do something about this. And he gave me the emoji hands like, I don't know. Uh, he was like, okay, I'll take care of it. So we get, we go around a pick uh, with a shack setting a pick. And I say, hey, young son, you do that again, I'm going to have to take off on you. And so he, I guess he didn't think Pat Neat was crazy. And uh, he walked up on me. And then I'm looking like, okay, he's three inches taller. So my head, top of my head was by his chin. And so him walking up on me, I had to push him off a little bit, and he hit me with another little chicken elbow. And at that time, I was done with the elbows, and I had to, you know, let the young fella know you picked the wrong one today. One of my favorite guards ever, an absolute scoring machine and current NBA free agent, Jamal Crawford, stopped by episode four of the show. Somehow, someway, nobody has signed him yet. He spoke to us about his desire to play and talented players out there still being unsigned. For me, like, obviously I want to play and I'm going to continue to play, but it's just, it's a, it's a tricky situation right now in the NBA when you kind of look at what's going on and what teams are doing. You know what I mean? And there's no way you can't tell me that certain guys, I'm not taking myself out of it, right? Like, just being a basketball brain, 
there's no way you can't tell me certain guys can't help in some capacity, whether it's veteran leadership, whether it's uh, a guy who can play the fourth quarter, whether it's a guy who can show young guys the ropes or all the above. You know what I mean? So it's kind of amazing what I'm seeing watching just as a fan of the game besides, you know, you talking about myself. So we'll see how it plays out. Another Knicks fan favorite and a member of those memorable 90s teams, Charlie Ward joined Kaz. The Florida State Heisman Trophy winning QB turned NBA guard. Spoke about the tenacity of head coach Jeff Van Gundy as we look back at the moment that he was hanging from Alonzo Mourning's legs in that Knicks Heat playoff series in 1996. We laughed. We laughed about it at that time as well. So it wasn't like we can look back and laugh. We We laughed at it. At that time as well. All I can think of that's just that's the way he taught us to play. You know, he was going to fight uh, for what he felt was right, and you know, he was just he was he was just as competitive as we were, and so that was just his competitive spirit coming out that he was going to defend. Uh, it wasn't he was out there fighting; he was out there trying to break up the case. I mean, break up the fight. But that was just the way he went about his business, and. As a player, that's what you appreciate about the coach. Um, just him showing his competitive spirit and his willingness to sacrifice his body because that's what he was sharing with us. And so, you know, probably wasn't a smart thing to do, uh, but um, that's just who he is. And um, and that's one of the things I admire, admire about him um, as a player. And um, and so even today as a coach, you know, I admire that, that competitive spirit and that fight that he had as well. On episode six of the program, we had former Nick Trent Tucker on the show, the man who has a rule named after him. Spoke about those Knicks-Bulls playoff series in the late 80s and early 90s and how the Knicks just could not take down the GOAT, Michael Jordan. You know, he was a force of nature for sure, uh, but I thought 89, we had a really good chance to, to beat the Chicago Bulls because he... We had swept the, uh, the Philadelphia 76 in the first round. They went five games with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers when he made that, that shot of the Craig Elo that we see time and time again. And they were coming to New York for the first two games. We had home court advantage. And we lost a 12-point lead in game one in the fourth quarter with about three and three and a half minutes to go, and they beat us in overtime. If, if somehow, somewhere, if we hold on to game number one, and go to Chicago up two games to zero and get game seven back at the Garden. I, I thought at that time we had a chance, you know, to beat the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and, and would have moved on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But when he came in and they stole game number one, so that set the tone for them for the rest of the series. We stepped into the entertainment side of the show with actor and diehard Knicks fan Jerry Ferrara on episode seven. Jerry, a.k.a. Turtle, as many people know him from Entourage, goes through the various interactions he has with fans in the streets. Listen up. So it's actually funny because nowadays it's definitely way more proctor on the streets than so. Yeah. I just think it's a relevancy and, and recency thing, you know, because obviously power is such a kind of mass success, you know. I mean, the yeah. numbers power puts up is ridiculous. But going back to the entourage and the turtle thing, there's, there's like – Three, three or four different versions of the on-the-street encounter, right? There's yeah. just, like, the kind of quick, like, almost like Larry David, like, brief stop-and-chat, doesn't want to do a stop-and-chat, but kind of <laughs> like, hey, you played Turn on Entourage, love that show. Oh, thanks, man. And they just keep it moving. Yeah. Then there's, um, you know, <clears throat> the person that 
says similar things and then wants to kind of have, you know, have a little bit of a talk, tell me about some of their favorite episodes, show a lot of love. That's all good. And then there's like the, the experience where the person, I'm a hundred percent like, I am criminal. Like there is no Jerry Ferrara in existence. <laughs> wants to know where the dog, Arnold the dog is and wants to know if I want to like smoke a joint with him. Like they a hundred percent think that it's real. And I think there's room for all three versions of that fan. And, uh, you know, and then every now and then you get the kind of the trash talking, like wants to just kind of, you know, I don't know why this, this, this person exists, but just wants to kind of, make it their business to just talk a little trash to you. So I don't know why we're not playing sports or anything like, <laughs> but so, but I think there's room for all those encounters. And um, yeah, there's times where it's like, ah, this is really not a great time. Uh, I'm in a terrible, I'm in a terrible mood. Uh, but then there's other times where I'm, you know, it uplifts my mood and it changes my day. It makes me feel good. Episode eight of the program was our emergency coach Fizdale firing show. So in honor of that, we brought on Basketball Hall of Famer and one-time Knicks head coach himself, Larry Brown. Larry was fired after just one season with the Knicks. The legend spoke about advice he would give the Knicks head coach and the organization. Well, everybody, I think everybody wants to play in New York. When you're hired to have a job, they got to allow you to do your job. Um, I look at the Knicks this year. I, You know, I work with Scott Perry in Detroit tonight. He's an unbelievable guy and a really good basketball man. My my thing is when you hire a coach, you got to understand his values and you got to get players that can play the way he feels comfortable coaching, or it doesn't even work. You know, I I, I don't understand now what's going on in the NBA. I think if a coach plays a particular style and has values like you said I always talk about playing the right way most people know that I believe in defense and rebounding and sharing the ball and playing hard playing unselfishly and teaching young kids how to play because the young kids that come into the NBA are not completely ready it's not like years ago when you went four years to college and you came on a veteran team and you earned the right to play you weren't just handed the the right to play so my thing is if they're going to hire a coach one, he's going to be really fortunate, I think, because there's no better job, in my mind, than being an NBA coach, and especially in a city that loves the game so passionately. But but they have, I think they have eight new players. It's not easy. You, the training camps are shorter than we've had before. You play less exhibition games. They ha- have a ton of young players. When you look at getting Smith and Barrett, Nikajima, and you got the young center who's I think has got a chance to be great. You have Dobson. You you have really young players. you got to make a decision. You know, are we going to play the young players and let them develop? Or are we going to go with the veterans and try to help them, you know, help us win some games and get some respect and credibility? I don't know the answer there. I don't know how they put the team together, what their objectives are. But I do think they have quality players. I do think it takes time, and I do think you have an owner that really wants to win. Episode 9 of Big Apple Buckets was an absolute block party. I hope you brought the Kool-Aid along. We had various guests, including a clip from my chat with Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett and the Safdie brothers, the directors of the Uncut Gems movie, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams, and even two-time Super Bowl champion of the Giants, Matthias Kiwanuka, dropped by the studio, but... 
We were joined on the phone by short-time Nick and long-time Crispy Hairline, Jalen Rose. The ESPN personality spoke about James Dolan, Steve Mills, the Knicks head coaches, the fan base, and the power structure not being lined up exactly. Listen to this. It's important that when you hire successful people at their job, that they feel like you give them full autonomy to do their best and live with the results. Whether it was Phil Jackson, who got a $65 million contract after the fans were threatening to protest the ownership of Dolan, there was still something that was a common denominator, and that was Steve Mills, who represents an extension of James Dolan, whether he talked about being present or not. So the first thing I would say is whether it's Scott Perry or whoever's in that position filtering down to the coach, you got to give that person that you hired an opportunity to actually do their job and live with the results. That power structure would have to change. I don't care if it's Masai Ujiri from Toronto. I don't care if it's Bob Myers from the Golden State Warriors. If you're going to bring in a terrific coach along with a great GM, you got to allow them to feel like they're doing their job. Think about it. Steve Kerr played for Phil Jackson and turned down the job, and they gave it to Derek Fisher because he saw that that power structure wasn't lining up the way I'm talking about. It takes a couple of great players to find to change that dynamic. Is it time that the Knicks fire Steve Mills? I don't think he can be fired because he's an extension of Dolan. That's that's what that's my that's what I mean. Dolan has acknowledged that he's not going to be as hands on as he once was, and clearly the fans were unhappy when they felt like he was hands-on, even so much to take the local games away from the fans to be able to watch him on cable. He doesn't have to be there because Steve Mills is that extension. Criticism of the owners can be over and underrated, but however, organizations do win championships, and I am disturbed when I see footage of Charles Oakley being thrown out of the garden, literally. When you're not successful, you started to hear the banter, and that's clearly gotten to him to the point where when people heckle him or yell things at him, he's not happy about it and seems to want to act on it. But usually what turns around your fans is their, the team's record and the dynamics that they're seeing playing out on the floor. New York has some of the most knowledgeable fans in any sport having a chance to play here having a chance to play against the Knicks when I was a member of the Pacers and we had our battles for those years. I could be the only opposing team and walk down the street or go get in the cab. They're booing me like I'm playing the game. Like, they're 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 really smart. They're really passionate. They're like, we got love for you, but uh, you ain't on our squad. Some of the best teams playing against Ewing and Mason and Oakley and Freewill and Allen Houston and John Stark, Charlie Ward, but they were led by Jeff Van Gundy who had the autonomy to be a decision-maker. Since that chain of command was lost, even with Pat Riley, that was one of the reasons why he left. Until that happened, I think a lot of players, but more importantly, the fans are going to be unhappy overall until they see success out on the floor. Last but not least, I could not bring you a Big Apple Buckets year in review show without an epic rant from our host, Kazim. Could I? Crank it up, baby. I'm going to get into being lied to. I'm going to get into getting sold a dream. I'm going to get into when something tells me something is off. We're New Yorkers. We are pros at sniffing out BS. And we have been sold and sniffed and taken the BS far too long. This is the team that said they were going to bring back 90s 
90s roughness. You remember that, Jay? Remember when they said they were going to bring back toughness? You remember when they said that they were going to go in? That it was going to be a hard day's work when you come into the garden? You know what's happened since then? Do you know what's happened since then? These guys have made the Madison Square Garden literally the entire NBA's playground. And it's one thing to blow leads. It's one thing to have a bad coaching decision or poor rotations or not developing young players or signing a bunch of veteran guys who really don't make sense on the roster. It's one thing to do all that. But to get absolutely embarrassed. But you got guys that are professional basketball players talking about we weren't ready to play the game tonight. What? What else are you doing? What else are you doing? You got one job. I can understand if it's the rookie saying this. I can understand if it's R.J. Barrett talking about, oh, man, I don't think I was ready. He went 0 for 9, had probably his worst game of the season. I can understand if it's Alonzo Trier who hasn't even sniffed any, any hard court in about three weeks since we were still talking about Halloween. I can, I can understand if it's Dennis Smith Jr. who's been through so many things, Mitch Robinson, these guys, but you got people who have been in the league for years talking about we weren't ready to play the game today. That is the quickest way. If you're and you're in the city, that is the quickest way. Coach, front office, roster, everybody. That is the quickest way to get New Yorkers to not f with you when you don't bring effort. My expectations were low for the Knicks already, but holy, my, like yo, bruh, I see Marcus Morris bop dude on the head, and I thought, okay, we got the right attitude going into the season. And granted, if there's any, I could say a lot of things about a lot of people on the New York Knicks. I can't say nothing about Marcus Morris. He's brought it this year. Best season statistically of his career. Leading the entire NBA in three-point shooting. Can't Got to give him that. But the Knicks have been nothing less than an embarrassment. An embarrassment. Kaz, I'll close it with this. In the words of the great philosopher Ja Rule, I, too, was hustled, scammed, <laughs> bamboozled, hoodwinked. Led astray. And led astray. Oh, gosh. It's a loss. I don't want to say it's a lost season already, but my goodness gracious. When is Cole Anthony playing? What's James Wiseman doing right now? I like Anthony Edwards. LaMelo Ball, I can see him in New York City. He's built for the city. Are we already? It's not even Christmas already. We're already talking about who. when, when are these 17-year-old kids playing, 18-year-old kids playing. That's where we're at with the Knicks. It's not even Christmas. They do this to me every year. <sighs> My goodness. It's going crazy. <laughs> and that's a wrap for this episode of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you listen to pods. Give me a follow at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter and follow Kazim at Kazim. You can find more Knicks news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. Kaz will be back next Tuesday in 2020 as we return to normal shows. Happy New Year, everybody. See you next week. See you next year. And see you next decade.